Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Monkey Flip Podcast. Uh, today's a special episode. We've got a special guest. Well, first of all, let me explain something, not to keep the guests on hold. Hammer has had some dental work, and he's a little swollen, so he's going to sound a little weird. But as the great band Queen once said, the show must go on. So the show will go on, and we'll just make fun of him marginally uh, while he struggles through to talk through his swollen and numb dental work. So uh, our guest today is a guy that we knew back when we were doing our wrestling thing, one of the, one of the greatest talkers that I had ever seen just come out naturally just on the mic. We we're like, okay, that, whatever happens, that dude gets a mic. Uh, so he's uh, his name's Eric Hollingsworth. He went with, by Justin Fury back uh, when we were wrestling, and any of the people here that remember the old EWF from Mar- Marion will remember his name and who we're talking to. Hey, he's got accomplished. He's an author now, and uh, uh, maybe some other things. So what we're going to do is instead of me trying to hype him up, because I'm not the greatest hype man in the world, why not turn it over to the man himself, Eric? Uh, how are you doing today? Doing well, and thank you for inviting me on the show. I've, I've really enjoyed what you guys have been putting out. That's awesome. Thank you. Hey, good talk to you, buddy. Yeah, that was it. The show's over. Yeah, that's it. That's all for our guests. Now, uh, so uh, since the last time we talked to you, I was was surprised, not surprised, you know, I I don't really think, I'm not thinking, okay, this guy is is an idiot, right? But Hammer tells me that you're an author now. And uh, I was kind of wondering uh, if you could tell us a little bit about your books and things like that. Or book, I I don't know what's going on. Well, there's, there's a few now. And um, yeah, I've, I, uh, I created a, a book originally. It was just intended to be a hobby, just something to do to kind of have a creative outlet. You know, everybody needs something like that. And um, originally I was going to try to do it as a graphic novel, just again, for myself, for my own amusement. And I can't draw uh, at all. So I was trying to kind of draw it out. But as the story developed, it was like, hey, this is kind of a cool story. And, uh, you know, the, the drawing end of it just wasn't going to do it justice. So I thought, well, I know how to write in English most of the time. <laughs> so I decided to turn it into a novel and it it turned into a second. And then there's uh, sort of some companion novellas that go in between. So there's a couple of those. And I just sort of expanded the universe into some other you know, technically standalone novels, but it all sort of exists under that same uh, universe, kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of thing. And um, I only bring it up because as a lifelong wrestling fan, um, wrestling is very much uh, the guts of the books. Um, I draw a lot of inspiration from wrestling. And interestingly enough, uh, I try to um, really use wrestling psychology in how I set up my my story arcs and, you know, kind of the false hope spots and, you know, heel turns and stuff like that. And so What's really kind of neat to me being able to talk to you guys about that is a lot of what I, well, I'm not going to say I know, but a lot of what I think I know about wrestling psychology, I really learned from you guys, you two. And so, you know, I often, even when I was writing those books, even though you, you and I hadn't talked in a long time, I would, I would hear that kind of in my head, you know, well, what would, what would Grizz say what would he think about that well that's just stupid you know so don't do that kind of. and uh so yeah so it, it sort of developed into that I've, I've got um and again i just do it for fun i don't take yeah. myself seriously uh i'm not trying to use this as like a side job or anything like that so i just i throw them up on amazon the the minimum 
uh, they let me charge is what I charge. So if you have a Kindle, um, all of the books are on Kindle for 99 cents. Uh, they're available, all except for the novellas are available for hard copy. Also, um, they, they're different prices because it depends on the page count, but they're available there too. My most recent book that I released that's out now is a book called A Good Man. And um, a, a lot of my inspiration for that book came out of Bray Wyatt. And of course, uh, I've always been a Bray Wyatt fan, but I kind of went back even prior to Bray and, and studied his inspiration for that character. So, you know, went back to Oh, gosh, what were some of those movies? Cape Fear uh, really kind of studied that film for some ideas. Oh, man, I can't remember the other one. Um, it's where he got that original song from. He was doing the the promos back in FCW. The time is on my side. Okay. Whatever that, whatever that movie was. Anyway, so that book draws a lot from that. So if there's any um, – I'm going to plug that one specifically. If there's any uh, Bray Wyatt fans um, – in a lot of ways, it wasn't intended to be this way, but you can almost read it as an origin story for Bray. Okay. Again, not intended to be that way, not a ripoff, but I'm going to give the devil its due. If I drew inspiration from it, I feel like I should credit it. Um, so if, if anybody is interested, you just got to go to Amazon.com backslash author backslash Eric Hollingsworth, and that'll take you to the, the whole uh, the whole shop. But specifically, the book I'm talking about is A Good Man, and I hopefully very soon will be putting out another book called Hunted. Uh, I'm, I'm literally just waiting for the cover art to get done, and so that'll be out soon, too, and I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. It's a lot more rock and roll, I think, than, than A Good Man. A Good Man's more of a laid-back kind of mental kind of game, whereas the Hunted's more in your face. Here's all the monsters, and you try to eat your face off. Yeah. So what's the overall genre? I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned Marvel, um, like, sure. like superhero stuff. And then you mentioned Bray, which I'm assuming is the swamp master Bray Wyatt, not the, not the uh, fiend Bray Wyatt side of it. Um, so right. what's the overall theme of the book? Everything I write is horror. Um, for the most part, I write supernatural horror. Okay. Um, I'm always a monster movie kind of guy. So um, a good man is more of a, a ghost story. Okay. In, in an essence, uh, but I don't want to give any spoilers, but, uh, and it's a good man in the sense that um, antagonist of the book you know, tries to present as being this really good guy. And he kind of cultivates this kind of a cult like following from uh, the people that he meets. And uh, he comes across this uh, newly single woman, uh, single mom. And um, again, without trying to give too much away, he, he tries to insert himself into her life and uh, gets to be a bit much a bit fast and so when she tries to break it off uh it, it takes a turn for the worse for her so it's definitely a horror book uh, it's a little bit more of a um a slower paced book than some of my other projects um but yeah i, I think it's really cool and um definitely if anybody out there is into the horror uh the the bray wyatt character especially that like you said the the swamp uh, the swamp guy I think it's worth reading and I think you'd find it interesting. Well, at least give it a shot. If you think it's worth reading, give it a plug. We'll, we'll find uh, the link that you mentioned there and I'll put it up on our webpage. So if anybody listening wants to check it out, if you go to monkey flip, uh, monkey dash flip.com, we'll have a link directly to that book or even more, uh, depending on what, what all we can find to put up there. And uh, awesome. that way you can take a look at Eric's stuff, but you had me at cult. 
because yes. uh, Sheila and I have been getting into this new thing where there, there's a series on HBO called Nexium. Well, it's called The Vow. It's called The Vow. And it's about a sex cult or, or a, a, a self-help thing, kind of like the Scientology stuff. And I don't care if you think I, I'm blowing that or not. That's what I feel it's like. Um, not you or Eric, anybody that's listening. Um, so we're, we're like into it, dude. Like, like every time it's on, like we, our Monday is like, okay, lunchtime, we're watching that, the vow. I mean, anything where you're getting people branded like cows, I'm watching it. How, how does the mindset of someone get you get into being branded like a cow? Not even like a cow, yeah. because at least then you have a solid brand. Yeah, they're using like a soldering <laughs> iron and drawing the brand on these people. And they're like, yeah, I want to do this. Like, how do you get somebody to think they want to do that? I want to be a cult leader because <laughs> people uh, pay attention to the cult leaders, even when it's dumb. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're into that. And I'll definitely check out your books. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. I didn't even know. Like Hammer mentioned that you were an author, and I was like, I didn't know. Um, you know, like, yeah, I'm really interested in this dude can talk. I know he can talk. He's really good on the mic, and he's probably got some entertaining stuff that he's printed out and put out put down in that form. So, we definitely, I definitely want to take that out, take a look at that stuff. That sounds good. Thank you. Awesome. I get, I definitely consider myself more of a storyteller than a writer. Like, yeah. um, you know, somebody may read it and be like, well, his prose is so raw i'm not a prose guy but hey i can write a story about somebody's head getting ripped off so there you go so we've got something in common like some people will look at this podcast and they'll go i mean we talked about it on the podcast i'm like this isn't how a podcast can go so maybe it's not for you just so it's for the people i put it out for and there we go exactly so we're good to go i mean we're, we're hey, kind of, thanks for the plug yeah ain't, ain't no thing so uh while we have you on and, and you're probably gonna stick with us for a while um what do you feel like, like we kind of discuss this a little bit in tweets back and forth and that kind of stuff. How do you feel about the state of professional wrestling today? I mean, it's, it's kind of a broad question, but uh, just give me, give me your thoughts. What's good. What's bad. What's ugly. What do you want to see more of whatever? So, yeah. So full disclosure, uh, just because I don't want to come across like I'm trying to be entirely unbiased. I am. I'm biased. Okay. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a WWE guy. I don't think I've deliberately sat down to watch a single episode of Impact. Oh, boy, probably ever. I've followed it. But um, I'm not an Impact guy, so I'm not going to pretend like I can have an intelligent conversation about what they got going on over there other than just what I read online. I'm, I'm rooting for AEW uh, only because I want it to draw out from WWE what WCW did at the end of the 90s. Yep. Um, I want them to become this unkillable beast because I want whatever flaccid dying ember of Vince McMahon is still flickering in that corpse. He calls a body. <laughs> I want it to come back alive <laughs> and make it not suck again. Yeah. Um, and, and then I want him to frankly devour AEW. <laughs> um, but so you, you ask what I see now, what I want to see, what I like. And, and I'm going to draw back to what you said in one of the earlier episodes, which is, you know, wrestling is is fictionalized life. And um, I think it's at its best when it's doing that. But then, you know, it's just like everything else. Everything's on a spectrum and you can go too far in any one direction. Yep. You know, too much water, you're going to drown. Too much real life, you're going to bore me to tears. Right. And so when you do a segment about 
uh, Otis and Tucker being served with a lawsuit. Well, nothing's going <laughs> to captivate that 18 to 35 demo, like real life litigation. Yes. Yeah. No. We were discussing, oh, we were discussing that one in the car on the way over. I was like, you know, cause I was telling him cause hammer was uh, unconscious for SmackDown. So I was like, yeah, SmackDown took a step back. It, it was getting really good. There was two or three episodes. I was like, this is really good. And then Miz and Morrison serving papers to, to, uh, Otis and Tucker, and I'm just like, well, Otis, as Tucker put it, it's like, no, you're in trouble, bro. So I was like, I, I think uh, Tucker has warrants somewhere. That's why he said that. Um, but having that kind of thing on television, we're like, well, well, they're suing you for the money in the bank. I was like, first of all, they tried to steal it. Is that even how it works? I don't even think that's how it works. But then they're like, okay, we'll, we'll try to get a lawyer. And, and I would also like to point out, and then I'll turn the mic back over to you because I just rudely interrupted our guest. Um, I'd also like to point out, I don't know what lawyer the Miz has. They can turn that around in two hours, but we all need that guy, yeah. whoever that is. On a Friday night at 8 o'clock. Friday night at 8 o'clock, he can turn that around, and yeah, we need that lawyer. It's so. got to be David Otunga. If they don't use that for occasion <laughs> to back him back off, come on now. That's Why true. is he even still on the roster? Right, Otunga coming back, and it's like, okay, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, that's a whole way that Otis can get back or get to – money in the bank thing to go i'm just like and eh, whatever okay bring back irs yeah everyone our shyster showed up yeah they just fired irs did they yeah they they um him and gerald briscoe did are, our guests just give us information but well, that's well, awesome i like i have discussed in many shows i don't we, look at that stuff i like want to be surprised we like, we like yeah. what we like i like to be surprised so uh well surprise they awesome. fired irs <laughs> I don't like the awesome. fact they fired him, though. I like yeah. him. No, I, I did too, and I, I hope it doesn't translate into more goofy stuff for Bray because I feel like at the end of the day, you know, his, his career has been such a roller coaster because I feel like, and I don't know this, this is just wild speculation, but I feel like he's probably a pretty tender dude, probably like a really good guy, like a guy's guy, Absolutely. and I don't think he's the kind of guy that can tell too many people no, and, you know, you, you hear that. And a lot of the Undertaker interviews that he's been doing lately is, you know, he was so protective of his character. And I, I think he did it judiciously. And I think he always did it respectfully because of how he always has talked about Vince. But, you know, sometime you just have to say, no, that's that's a stupid idea. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think Bray, I don't think Wyndham Rotunda has that. Uh, not not that he's coward, but I think he's accommodating and you know, I think there just gets to be a point where they say, guy. "Hey, Bray, how about you? Uh, how about you do the job, the Goldberg, in five seconds in Saudi Arabia, and let's just completely kill the heat we got on your fiend character." Even though I know you don't like him, Bill. Yeah. Uh, and and he, <laughs> okay, that sounds like a great idea. No, I, I could no. like him. I could like the fiend. Um, what is your what is your underlying issue with the fiend? Is it just because he's the character in general, or is it how they've handled him? It's because, uh, like like you were saying, you you write supernatural stuff. Right. So uh, I, and, and I kind of touched on this on an earlier episode. It, it is bridging the gap between science or between fiction and science fiction. So the fiend uh, being able to disappear and things like that, not a big deal, um, mm -hmm. but him being superhuman, 
right? And then having some sort of extra dimension, dimensional space for the Firefly Funhouse that no one knows where it is. And this is things they've said on the show. No one knows where it is. Even when the new guy that's kind of being the commissioner went to look for him to get his contract signed, he shows up and he's trying to figure out how he's wearing a mailman's uniform like that. Like he didn't consciously put on a mailman's uniform, right? So that's sure. supernatural. If I go all the way back to the match, like Hammer liked the match, right? Mm-hmm. But it was me, I have a major problem with it. And it was when they did the title match with John Cena and they made it a Firefly Funhouse match. And it was all just snippets of stuff that you would find on the internet of people making fun of wrestling. So they're they're doing snippets between him and John Cena where they're dressing up in different things. Like we're supposed to believe that John Cena didn't willingly put those clothes on and it just zapped those clothes onto him. So so when I say I could like uh, The Fiend, I can get down with a guy having a multiple personality where this personality, you can hit him in the head with something and he can take it. And he's just, he's just a mean guy, right? Uh, I can get into that. If it was, uh, if we cut to like, like for the Firefly Funhouse scene with the, with the Adam Pierce, I think it is being in a postal uniform. If we cut to Bray Wyatt forcing him to wear the postal uniform before he went out onto the stage because he's crazy and he's trying to get that to happen, I could get into that. Or else it gets the hose again. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I can get into that. And then if it's just Bray, switching between the fiend character and Bray Wyatt. And we all know that he's a fucking nut bar and they're playing it off. Like you got to know that this guy's a fucking nut bar. I'm good with that. But if you were trying to make me think that he's literally has an extra dimensional space where the, you will change clothes instantly and you're in a, you're in a PB Herman show. Now you're insulting me because it's not happening. It, it's so I could like the fiend if they played it that way. Like if he, if he starts off the match, matches Bray Wyatt gets knocked in the head and then all of a sudden the fiend mask comes out and he's now the fiend. I could sure. get into that because that's realistic, but the way they're playing it, not realistic at all. So bridging the gap between fiction and science fiction is where I'm always going to have a problem. And the WWE, they lost me as a uh, fan a long time ago when they started pulling out like, Dr. Isaac Yankum DDS and Skinner and all these people that were comic book characters that aren't real people. I have a problem with it not being real people. I mean, even Alexa Bliss right now where they're doing the thing where she stares off into space and does Sister Abigail to people and you can tell she's totally going to do the Harley Quinn thing and be the good girl to the bad guy. Um, I can get into that because that's kind of, like you were saying earlier, cult stuff. Things that okay, he's she's brainwashed him. Like hey, I can pull that in a little bit, and it happens in real life. So, but again, here I go talking for twenty five minutes on a subject that you started. So, <laughs> yeah, but, but you're absolutely right, and I, and I think where they're failing was, and and how they can get there with the overwhelming amount of TV time they have every week is beyond me. But I, I feel like where they failed is, you know, when. Was it Ivan Reitman that did Ghostbusters? I think it was. Yes. And when he was talking about how they were kind of developing how to make this movie about ghosts and ghost busting, he, he, he said something, and I don't know if it's originally his or if he borrowed it from somebody else, but this is where I know it from. He, uh, he talked about the domino theory of reality. 
if I can if I can start from a, a baseline, which is life as you know it, and then I can baby step you into this world where there are ghosts and, and people who run around like, you know, exterminators and, and, and still couch that in a way that is believable. You know, that's the ride you have to lead the viewer down. And, you know, the, the run up to The Fiend and, and, and again, full disclosure, I, I actually I like The Fiend. I enjoy it. It's fun for me. My little man loves it. I think it's good. Uh, but but totally see where you're coming from your opinion. And I feel like what could have better brought somebody from your point of view on board is, you know, the, our introduction to the Firefly Funhouse and, and subsequently The Fiend, you know, it wasn't that domino theory of reality. It was this, hey, here's a buzzard puppet, three weeks. And then, hey, here's this vignette with, with you know, Bray Wyatt, who had formerly been, like you said, this swamp guy, this cult leader. And now he's in a nice sweater and he's waving and he's doing the, the Mr. Rogers Pee Wee Herman thing. And had they given a better segue into that, it may have better explained it. In fact, I'll be real honest. The, the first couple episodes of Firefly Funhouse, I hated it. And, and, you know, thank God for Twitter telling me what I actually should think about something. I, I probably never would have given it another thought. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, I, I think if, if they had better explained what this is and if it is some extra dimensional space where Adam Pierce can walk through a door and be a mailman, what, what that progression is, I don't know. Cause I didn't write it, but if they could have explained that in a way that made sense, maybe that would have translated better for somebody in your position, but you're right. They just kind of rammed it home. And, and I'm not going to pretend like it was the byproduct of the COVID stuff because I mean, let's be honest, they, before there was COVID, there was the, the House of Horrors match that they yeah. did. Well, right, Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Yeah, and uh, was it Ultimate Deletion that Matt Hardy did in WWE, or was that the TNA version? I can't remember. I, I, I didn't really follow too much of that. It, well, anyway, yeah. So, I mean, there was a precedence for it beforehand. I, I think they've capitalized on it post-COVID. Wait, Ultimate, they, are we talking about the thing where he, that he was doing with Bray Wyatt? Oh, no, no, no. Just, sorry. No, the, the, um, the cinematic matches, I think is what they're calling. Oh, I got you. Okay. Vanguard yeah, and flying around and all that stuff. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, there was already a precedence for it. It was totally a niche thing. Like not everybody was into it. I, I personally didn't, as much as I love Matt Hardy, I really didn't get into the cinematic matches really at all. Um, I think they're just kind of making the do with what they have, but yeah. anyway, I agree that well, like, they probably could have sold it better. Like I, I actually like Matt, Matt Hardy. I like Matt Hardy. I've met Matt Hardy. Yeah, that their plug. I used to be a wrestler. I met people. Anyway, uh, but I like Matt Hardy. And, and it, when you when I try to break that down in my mind, I go, Matt Hardy is such a genius. He got his fucking drone over. That's how much yeah. of a genius that guy is. So he's like, we named him, and all of a sudden he's an internet sensation. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I didn't like how he's getting used in AEW, but uh, that's that's ne- neither here nor there, and probably off topic for what we're talking about. Uh, I've lost a co-host. Uh, he had to go outside to do something, and uh, my dog is very upset. He's like, he's right outside. I can see him. I can't go out there with him. What's up? So, um, <laughs> I have no, a, I feel. Go ahead. I have a quick comment about the fiend. Okay. Um, I. Every time I see him in that mask, I, I I remember how bad your gear used to smell. Oh, yeah? When I open it every week to clean it. I can't even imagine how bad that mask smells. Yeah, Bray's a big, sweaty guy. Yeah. 
He, he kind of, yeah, he's kind of built like a big hawk of ham on top of two skinny legs. But yeah. yeah, he's a big, big hawk of a guy. He really is. Yeah, sweaty yeah. as heck, I bet. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm awesome. Glad, I'm glad they did something with him because honestly, I'm I'm being generous when I say he reverted from the the swampy cult leader into the fiend because there was that in between period where I really don't know what it was. Like he was wearing the denim jacket, he had the dreads. Yeah, you know, it didn't really that that era of it really didn't translate. The post Cena. Yeah. Era. Uh, boy, that's just a wasteland people got stuck in, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Bray had the match with Cena the first time at WrestleMania and did nothing. Yeah. Prior to that, they had Ryback, who was classically inconsistent, but yeah, yeah, yeah. classically and, bad. He was, yeah, he was at an apex, and they put him in a match with Cena, and then nothing. Right. Uh, single-handedly destroyed the Nexus, which was there was about a. I don't know, five to eight year period where I was, I was truly a lapsed fan. I didn't follow it. I didn't read it. I didn't watch it. I just didn't care. I stopped caring. And, and, and I'm dangerously close to being there now, by the way. But, you know, when they brought the Nexus in, I was like, Oh man, this is kind of new. You know, I was an NWO guy. I was a DX guy. And here are these people that I thought, I thought it was really intelligent that they took these people out of basically obscurity. Nobody really knew who they were. I'm sure some indie goofs out there knew who they were but right. you know they brought them in and, and did something cool and, and they made it seem like they were really dangerous for like five minutes and then super cena squashed them yeah um so i don't like know all of them. Don't know like in one night all yeah. once yeah <laughs> that's great so I, I don't know what that phenomenon is and and vince's head that just he he picks his favorite and they're just bulletproof and it's boring man and that's why i'm, I'm really hoping for aew to challenge him in that way because like you you mentioned the the era with dr isaac yankum and skinner and doink and duke the dumpster drossy and you know everybody had to have a day job and they just happened to wrestle across the country once a week on tv yeah um you know i I think vince happily would have stayed there for the last 30 years yeah until until eric well let's be honest until paul Heyman came along with ecw and and really paul should get the credit for for changing the game but you know Eric Bischoff capitalized on it. He yeah. had the deep checkbook. They they brought it to a a more real, grittier level. And between ECW and WCW, Vince realized he couldn't hang. And that's what made him change. Yeah. And you, he you hasn't just, had to do that in 10 years, 15. Sorry. You just brought up something that made me think about something a whole new way. Um, when, when we're talking about um, – the, when I'm talking about the competition, I'm talking about the competition between WCW and, w, and WWE at the time. And I'm thinking, okay, that competition was there, and that's what rose both of those both of those shows and those brands to, to the forefront. But I didn't even think that perhaps it all started out with Eric Bischoff not competing with the WWE. It started off with him competing with the WCW, where he's seeing what they're doing and wants to, to do that. And that's what turned him edgy. Which is what turned cool. WWE at you. I didn't even think about that. That the possibility of that until you said that. Yeah, well, and, and think. I mean, he he brought up Vince's big names, but he also brought in a lot of what made ECW uh, ECW. I mean, right. it wasn't all chair shots and thumbtacks. I mean, he took Eddie Guerrero. He took Rey Mysterio. He took Dean Malenko. Right. Um, you know, he was he was tracking ECW as well as Vince. Yeah. He was really smart, man. He doesn't. I mean, Paul. I feel like Paul gets recognition i don't think he he's heralded as the forefather of modern professional wrestling like he should be because he is yeah 
I don't I don't know that Eric Bischoff gets enough credit either. I mean, he's he was he was the the quote unquote money mark who took it to Vince. And I think that's how people are kind of trying to frame a Tony Khan now. Yeah. With AEW. And and to be fair, he's a wrestling fan and he has money. So call him a money mark if you want. But sure. he's got the ability to do something. What I hope they don't do, and I think they're getting dangerously close to doing, is what quickly ruined what was then TNA for me, which was let's just bring in everybody that Vince got rid of. Right. And, and they said they weren't going to do that. Yeah. Well, let's face it. Some of these people they got rid of for a reason. Well, exactly. Yeah. They did whatever they were going to do. Let them make their money on the Indies. Right. Yep. But, and, and I, and I will give them a halo with Matt Cardona. I think Matt Cardona was done dirty events for 10 years because he made the fatal mistake of getting himself over on YouTube and thou shalt not supersede Vince. Right. Fine. So I'm glad he's getting, I, I wish he would have had it five years ago, but I'm glad he's getting an opportunity to actually do what I think he's capable of doing. But when they bring in some of these guys, I mean, I don't mean to be a jerk because I, I think, I think highly of his work, but you know, formerly Ty Dillinger, Sean Spears, right? he ain't doing nothing in AEW that he wasn't doing in WWE. Right. They're kind, got of, they're, they're kind of teasing right. a four horsemen type thing. And they were, but, were yes. and they still are but ty's not in that or sean's not in that conversation no um you know guys like him um gosh who else just showed up randomly brody lee i'm glad he's there i'm not i'm actively going into dislike of the mr brody lee character i don't know what they were trying to do with i don't know if it was supposed to be like a corporate ministry yeah kind of idea you know where they where they took the dark order and turned it into this corporation thing, but yeah. still kind of like Lovecraftian kind of, I don't know. Well, I think but, with a lot of the stories that I've heard with, with what Brody Lee was doing at that point, like the, the one where he's eating, eating the steak and he, no one else could eat until he was done. No one could even start until, until he was done. I've heard that story about Vince McMahon. So I think they were making Brody, Brody Lee Vince McMahon and trying to poke, poke fun at him that way. Don't know for sure. I'm sure some of these internet guys who read dirt sheets and stuff like that can correct us on that, but they're probably also not listening to this podcast. But because no, <laughs> I insult a lot. They will so. be. They're gonna, it's going to kick off, and they're going to have to go back and listen to the backlog. Yeah, they're going to have to go all the way back. I mean, the first episode that we did pulled in like 30 people. It's up to like 63 now. I was like, oh, there's other oh, people wow. doing it. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, so. Or other people are just like, I want to read it. I want to listen to it again on a different computer. I don't either. Either way, I don't care. <laughs> is that what Hammer's doing right now? Like, be honest. Is he logging in on his phone? Eh. Uh, who? He said Hammer was gone. Oh yeah, he's he's in the bathroom now. I think. Uh, he got locked outside. Uh, we were here to knock while you were doing it, and he had I, to. I think he was trying to get in in a during a break. Oh, he, so he's trying to. Say, Are you guys still on the air? Yeah, because, like we're professional or something. But yeah, but that's. I mean, that's some insightful stuff there. I really. Uh, I really enjoy when people twist my mind around to something else. That's also why if I say something on Twitter and you disagree with it and you comment to me as people listening to this have done, because I know at least one, one listener that's done that I won't argue with you because if, if it's a valid point. Um, but if I'm saying, if I'm saying, Hey, I don't like this. And you're saying, Hey, I do like this. I'm like, I can't, I can't argue that you do like it. And if it's good for you, that's good because you're getting some positive stuff out of it. But for me, who's been watching wrestling for 37 years, 
I don't like the way the new stuff is going. I don't like the fact that we're just watching a bunch of flips because if you keep putting that in front of a, any viewership for any amount of time, they're going to get bored with it. So, and and then you have to escalate to get their attention. And Absolutely. That's when, you get, that's when you get accidents like what happened to Matt Hardy. Right. And I, 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 I gotta believe it was an accident. Um, I am trying not to consider Sammy Guevara as a, a dangerous worker, but that's the second injury he's calls just Matt Hardy. Well, I, I can just say from the chair, the throw of the chair, that he's dangerous. Oh, because I don't I, think I've got the, the cred to make that determination myself, but I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I think if anybody th- chucks a chair at somebody, even if it was a standard metal folding chair, which it wasn't, and then there's a lot of people that say that it's plastic, and I'm like, no, it was not plastic because a plastic chair wouldn't have done that that amount of damage. It wouldn't have the heft that it would have to do that much damage. Uh, chucking that at his head without any thought of his safety involved, that's dangerous. Whether he intended it or not, it's dangerous. Well, and let's let's wind that back. So, Are there people out there saying it was a plastic chair? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well then, fine, let's grant that. That makes it worse. How freaking hard do you have to throw a plastic <laughs> chair to do that amount of damage? It's a work, brother. Yeah. It's like, hey, I uh, I hit him in the head. He needed 15 stitches. What did you hit him with? One of those plastic wiffle bats? No, you didn't. No, <laughs> that is yeah. not what caused 15 stitches. No, I promise I did. Well, then you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> you you <laughs> had to wail on that dude with that wiffle bat. You were not playing in so, our game. And I, I watched that video of the fall. I watched it probably half a dozen times. They overshot that table by a good margin. Yeah. And, you know, was that Sammy driving Matt or was that Matt throwing himself back? I don't know. Yeah, either, either you know, way. I saw it both ways. Yeah, either way for, for me. The real travesty is when Matt Hardy can't stand because his leg doesn't work underneath him. That is a concussion. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I've had my fair share of them. I know what they are. I've seen them. I've seen somebody act that exact same way and then held his hand while he was going into brain surgery that night to relieve the bleeding. It's, that, that's a concussion. And it was poor of them to allow. Well, like It could have been Matt. It could, he could have been like, no, I can finish. Let me finish. And they go, okay. Well, he shouldn't have gone okay. Should have said, no, you need to sit the fuck down. Even if they're vindicated in hindsight, even if they've got all the CAT scans from the the best technology in the world today, they didn't have that in the middle of the match. All they they could see was the symptoms. All they could see is how it affected him in that moment. And there's not a qualified individual there to say, oh, I am sure the CAT scan is going to reveal that he's completely fine. And if ever a time is better to be safe than sorry. Better be faith than Thawie. What, yes. what, what did you miss there? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you. See, I didn't have to make fun of him. <laughs> hey, the F sounds are still working. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they don't go away, bro. Those are on there. <laughs> so we're good. Uh, okay. Uh, so um, so do you agree with me that SmackDown got better for a piece? I mean, I can't say one night is going to be now it's failing. But it's, it just seems like they went back to, to the way they were. But were you starting to – I don't even know if you watched SmackDown for the two nights that I was talking about, but do you agree that, that it's gotten a little better? Me and Hammer both were watching it, and we're like, yeah, this is getting this is getting better. This is awesome. I think it is. And and I can, I can grant them um, a mediocre night uh, on the heels of what they're building towards. I'll, I'll give them that. So, okay, you know, last night it wasn't continu- continuing that upwards trajectory, but it – still feel like they're building now if, if it ends up being next week the week after that it shows that the last couple of weeks were a fluke then hey, that sucks but yeah. i do think they're building to something i think they're they're 
actively trying to create a, a shakeup um, in what they're doing. You know, they're, they're splitting up a lot of tag teams that always rips my guts out. That's, that's uh, the tag team division in the WWE has always been a weak spot. It just yeah. always has been, even though they've had high spots, you, you've had the new age, the new age outlaws. You had the, you know, the road warriors, Legion of doom on a couple of occasions, you know, there, there's, are success stories but they're just not consistent with it yes. and, and one of the things that's always driven me nuts about wwe tag team that oh, god hammer hammer's upset that you didn't mention strike force he, he's uh grossly oh. underestimating the amount of time that you've been alive on the planet <laughs> yeah okay so i i know strike force um i'm not going to say they were doing it before i was born but they were strike force before i was watching how about yeah. that there's strike force can-am connection uh demolition. Not the same. demolition they're the same demolition. Demolition. uh demolition there's all, all kinds of good tag teams we even had the southern boys at one point uh sure some, some, I'm not saying that word. some decent guys in there <laughs> but uh i mean the brain busters oh that's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Ron really Anderson. I like. had the Freebirds for a hot minute. Freebird, yeah. Freebirds were like more good with that. Under a year, and they drank themselves out of a contract. But the <laughs> uh, the idea being that they're they 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 almost intentionally devalue the tag team division, and they, and if you ever needed more evidence of that, look at the titles. Yep. The 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 world championships gold. Intercontinental championships, gold. Women's championships, gold. What color are the tag straps? A silver or copper? Yep. Silver or yep. copper. Yep. So and that right there tells you where his head's at with it. And I think that's going to be an area where the AEW and, and, and the other brands can really capitalize. I mean, that's why you get teams like the Revival or FTR or whatever that, um, you know, they can, they can really spearhead that because Vince's idea of tag team wrestling is – not what it could be and he's he's pairing randos together he's he's destroying teams that are established some of that's growing pains and it has to happen but he's not as cerebral with it as i think he could be and i think that could become an area where aew can really revolutionize it um you know i, I heard talk a, a while ago i don't know if it's going to come to anything but heard talk of maybe like a trios title so yeah. they're, they're going to expand on tag team, which I think that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, it could be. There used to be six man tag titles mm-hmm. in every organization that I, that I watched. Um, mm-hmm. But I can t- I can tell you in in one thing that that probably no one has noticed, but me, on how devalued tag teams are in the WWF and have been for a very long time, and that is the handicap match between your tag team champions and anyone. Because if anyone is up against your tag team championships in a handicap match and they win the handicap match, you don't give a shit about your tag team because you have just devalued every bit of your tag team. And they do that constantly. John Cena got the win over the tag team champions. Don't remember who it was because that was one of the last ones I watched before I took a hiatus. I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. Yeah, Roman Reigns will do it. They'll get in and they'll try to push – uh, the champ by saying, "Hey, he's going to beat both tag team champions." That's how good he is. I'm like, no, no, that's that's how bad your tag team champions are. It's kind of like what I was saying the other the other day with getting a guy in the ring and putting the little guy in a bear hug and having him fight in the bear hug for five minutes and then smack your head and get out, drop kick you, you leave the ring. What does it say? Does that say that that guy's tough? No, it says that I got a weak ass bear hug. 
because I shouldn't be able to do that. He shouldn't be able to do that. That means I'm weakly holding on him. So it doesn't well, make any sense. Just as a, another example of what you just said, they did it at WrestleMania, what, two or three years ago, where uh, Braun Strowman beat the bar with Nicholas, the, what was he, eight or yeah, ten year kid. old kid. Yeah, yeah they, they, they took the, the bar, which was one of the best tag teams they've had in a while. I mean, Cesaro, they, they don't respect at all for some reason. Or they respect him so much they want to use him in the mid-level that he's been used in. And then they're like, okay, we got to give him something. And here's a here's a title. It's like Hammer used to be in the EWF. His tag team partner just add or tag team champion just add water, or not water. I messed that all up. Tag team champion just add partner. So as soon as he got to pop partner, tag team champion. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Cesaro's being the same way, but they're it's not like like Hammer had a singles run and all that good stuff, and and it was just a chicken show up a bit. But for Cesaro, that just seems to be what he is. I don't understand what the problem with him is. Um, but I mean, he was him and uh, Sheamus, and then it's him and Nakamura, and I mean, it just seems formulaic. The guy's good. Give him a chance. And before that, it was him and Tyson Kidd, who same song, different chorus. Tyson Kidd was a brilliant wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like you said, instant tag team champion, just add partner. Yeah, and if that's the case, I mean, if you've got one guy that is the the uh, catalyst for all that stuff. Why not look at that guy and realize, okay, this this guy is maybe maybe we have him a singles run. I mean, they're dealing with Big E, and that makes yeah. sense. And I kind of like that. I mean, they don't have to have him beating up a security guard and then have to have two referees coming out and help the security <laughs> guard. But I mean, it, it, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, I did so. like that mix up. Though. I, I, did. I, I do want to point out the fact that they only had one security guard and Retribution still didn't mess up with the sh- mess up the show. But the the every time they're on Raw, they have like ten security guards that they show on every episode. But Retribution still shows up. Well, they, the security guards are Retribution. Six of them. Well, uh, there's at least three women, and I have never seen a female security guard. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's a very good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Let's fight for equality. They're NXT so, girls that hasn't quite made it yet. That's what they are. In, yeah. in my head, I have phantom booked Retribution in a way that is probably going to be way more entertaining than what they're going to do with it. Yeah. But <laughs> I believe there's that. two things. There's, there's two things going on Raw that I think are just absolute dog vomit. Uh, and I don't care what Twitter tells me I should think about it. Okay, can, uh, I, can I interrupt you for just a second? I want to interrupt you for just one second because I want to piggyback on what you said, but I want to say it first so I can give you your chance to say it all, and it's still topical. There are three things on Raw that I think are hot dog vomit, as you put it, and that's hour one, hour two, and hour three. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. You're not wrong. Okay. Uh, but you forgot about the hour before the show when they talk about what they're going to do for them three hours. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah, the, the talk show stuff they're doing. That, yeah, that's that's an horrible. Oh, I, I don't even pretend like I'm – I'm sorry, and that's no disrespect to anybody who's involved in it. They're trying to build their career, and I get that, but it's too much, man. Too oh, I, much tried, I tried to watch the pregame, but you know, it's hard enough watching pregame for football or baseball when you, know, when you need a pregame. I could not do it for this. I tried. Oh. And they've got uh, the bump, which they've got their own cast. I do like for the that. Bump. There's, I mean, which Kayla Braxton, which I think she she just needs to find her vehicle and she's going to be great. And then she's it got these three other room, dudes. Dude. Yeah. There's, there's these three other dudes <laughs> that don't like exist her. anywhere else in WWE except for the bump. And dude, I don't know what to tell you about. You're a Kayla fan, aren't you? I'm a Kayla fan. I, I can like tell. I, I can tell the saltiness when I said her vehicle is a broom. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
So you're saying two things on Raw that were absolutely dog fired. Yes, and I, and I think they can combine them and actually salvage it. So first is going to be retribution. Mm-hmm. I, I don't oh, know. God. I mean, I don't know what Vince's idea of chaos is, but it ain't that. Yeah. And and the other is Raw Underground, which fucking. A- uh, He's not upset. Dude, he, not at he, all. He, he's doing, oh, that's somebody else believes it. So cool. Yeah. No, because first of all, doing mixed martial arts, being being trained in martial arts, ain't nothing about raw underground that looks like a shoot fight. Nope. Nothing. At all. Nothing. Not and, and all you have to do is watch one episode of UFC anything, and you're yeah. going to see that not every match is a dominating squash. So if, if you're going to do a, a dominating squash program with somebody whether that's Dabacato or or whatever do it in the, in the ring why insult my intelligence by putting shane mcmahon acting like he's still 23 yep. bouncing around some ropeless ring while somebody right. just does, simulates a, a squash match it's still a it doesn't make ring. any sense yeah and get, and get some and, guys and, that can they can do the moves that you're looking at like keep keep Dolph Ziggler in there. He can do moves. Like I goofed on him because I said, "Hey, we're all underground." Dolph Ziggler is going to try to shoot a single leg. Just so you know. Well, that's what he does, and that's what you would do in that situation. Get some people yeah. that don't have a lot of daylight between their punches where they, and where they land. Because like one of the first things I tweeted about Raw Underground was the first thing I saw. I, I put like, "And your winner by weak ass punches to the armpit," because that's what it was. He was just weak ass smacking him in the armpit. And I'm like, how do you call that that a match? I guess some people that can actually shoot a little bit, and you know, get take your potatoes. That's the way it goes. And, and they they teased something like that, and this was not on the televised NXT, but this has been years ago uh, when they were just doing the live circuit with NXT. They did a, a shoot fighter, shoot wrestler uh, kind of stable. It was uh, Chad Gable was the mouthpiece at the time, and it was Jake. I was it Jason Jordan? I think it was Sawyer Fulton, and I think it was Angelo Dawkins. Okay. And, and maybe a fifth, uh, shoot nation, I think is what they called it. And and that's what it was. It's exactly what they're doing with, with raw underground. Okay. Um, and so my thinking is, is if you take raw underground, it's, it's pretty intentionally got a fight club veneer to it. I don't think that's just me. Right. And so you, you take this fight club underground, whatever, and you just follow the progression of the fight club movie. Well, what do they turn into? They turn into this, you know, band of anarchists who start destroying public property, right? So that brings in retribution. Right. So if retribution are the devotees of this raw underground under the, the guidance of Shane McMahon, you know, Shane McMahon, if we're actually going to try to employ any kind of con- continuity here, he, he was ran out of the WWE. Yep. Right? By, by who? somebody who is now a fan favorite, Kevin Owens, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. So now he's got this legion of brainwashed, you know, bloodthirsty shoot fighters, for lack of a better word, exacting his vengeance. Yep. You know, one of the one of the segments they did out on was the Kevin Owens show. I think they could actually do something, build some continuity within the brand, make it make sense, make it seem somewhat interesting. But sorry, I don't have that level of faith in, in either storyline actually turning out that way. No. No, probably not. As a matter of fact, I think Raw Underground is is the day that we just completely and totally forget to do one of those segments and people went, hey, you know what? Nobody bitched about Raw Underground. Well, we, they must not care. That's going to be a great day because it has no place because really it's so meta. It's crazy. It's, it's you're in a ring and you're fighting, but you're not fighting, but you're fighting, but you're not fighting <laughs> because it's, it's, it's meta on top of meta and it's, it's just... Uh, 
It's just a bad idea. I mean, even if you're putting legitimate people in there, I like legitimate people in there. I like Bobby Lashley in there. I like I like Nick Nemeth in there, uh, Dolph Ziggler. I, I like those people in there. I don't like when they're getting guys that we don't know and saying, here's the guy. What you're saying to us is like, this is a big guy. He doesn't need to start off on Raw Underground. Put him in a ring. Get him in a ring. Have him wrestle because that's what we want to do. Raw Underground is, okay, our wrestlers are now doing shoot fights. Well, if you're starting people out in the shoot fighting stuff, then you're not doing our wrestlers or, or doing shoot fights. You're doing, this is the guy's good wrestler. And we all know it leads to those guys showing up in the ring. So why even why even bother? It's just tedious. Yeah. Not one person tuned in to that show expecting UFC fight night. No. They tuned into no. Monday Night Raw. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder, I, and I haven't looked, but you know how they, they track those segments on youtube uh and it's you let's, let's be honest it's usually if a woman's running around half naked that those videos do the best but yes what how how does did hammer do you know or sheila like the the raw underground videos are they doing well as individual segments on youtube like is anybody really actually into this or is it just or three raw i don't know numbers but i didn't know what raw underground was until bill told me about it and that's when I saw my first view, and, and I believe to this day it's got like 16,000 views, which may sound like a lot. Right. But that, that's not a lot of views considering they started, what, a month and a half ago? Well, think of it like this. When in the Nielsen ratings, there was actually a phenomenon that could explain like a couple thousands of views by saying that someone left the remote control on the couch and one of the pets stepped on it and turned it the channel. <laughs> so if you've got if you got a thousand six hundred views, it could be that people are like, hey, look, this is great. But it could also be like, look at this shit. Look what they're doing right now. It also means we need to send our podcast out to people with pets. Yeah, just push it right out there. <laughs> if you guys click on the podcast button, that'd be awesome. Uh, but yeah, it, it could be it could be that. Um, and and I think that. We're all hitting the nail on the head here. It's a, it's a horrible concept, and they're just running with it. But that's WWE in a nutshell. And without without dire consequences of the competition, which AEW is no competition. I mean, we won't, we all want it to be, but it's not. It's just going to continue to be more of the same. If, if we can do this crap and pull in $2.5 million, why work hard? Why Here's the thing, they're not, they're not pulling in 2.5 million. Last week they pulled in 1.6. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's ugly. Yeah. Considering there's nothing going on in the world, that's ugly. No, and and I know and this is apples and oranges because it's a different night and everything else, but when um, AEW was opposed, I think it was two Wednesdays ago, they did, if not 1.6, real close to it. Yeah. Um, now, I know that wouldn't translate in a head-to-head competition, but I, I think it, it does show that there's a potential. I think AEW needs to find, you know, whatever that catalyst is going to be for them. It needs to be whatever their NWO is. It's going to be whatever their um, their DX is. It doesn't have to be a stable, but whatever that thing is, it's going to make it special that when 15, 20 years from now, somebody's talking about it the same way we talk about the NWO or, you know, Strike Force when Hammer was 20. Or, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Come on, let's call a spade a spade. It was when he was 32. But, <laughs> I, was, I was 11. Come on, guys. Cool. Dang it, girls in cars. 
Come on. Girls, girls and cars. cars. That was their song. What? Girls and cars. Girls and cars. Well, they, did they girls sing the song? Cars. No, hey, they didn't hey, sing yeah, it. Let them, let them sing it somewhere. No, <laughs> stop it right now. <laughs> was it girls in cars? Is that what it was? Uh, I think I don't know if he flipped me off or not, but I I, I could expect it. <laughs> so that sounded that sounded good. Uh, if I if I were to talk a little bit about AEW again, because I, mean, I mean, you guys, anybody that's listened to this has heard me rant on and off about it. And I just want to mention this to a to a third perspective, which is um, they get, they bring in like Brian Cage, right? And they're forcing Brian Cage down our mouth, our throats. Um, and he is this big dude, looks legit, look is a good wrestler. Um, but you're you're throwing him in. Here's Brian Cage. He's a badass. He anywhere he goes. And the last time I saw him do anything, he got beat by a girl for the title for the TNA title. And I'm like, how can you? I mean, we're we're just ignoring the fact that he got beat by a girl, and everybody who's watching it knows it. Um, I mean, that storyline has to follow you. That's why when somebody says oh, you're going to drop the belt to her, you do like Jeff Jarrett did, and then said, okay, for a couple hundred thousand, sure, I'll do it. And you know that girl has to be China. So so you're like, okay, that's what I'm saying this girl yeah, isn't China. It looks kind of <laughs> it looks kind of legit then. So that's good. But we get Brian Cage. And they're like, okay, we're gonna put him in there with Taz. We're gonna push him. We're gonna get him into the match. And then they treat they treat the match kind of horribly, and that kills his push. But then you get somebody like Miro, who's a legitimate big dude who can work, who can get the crowd behind him, even when people don't want him to have the crowd behind him. It just happens. Rusev Day, that whole thing. That's what I was gonna say. And then they bring him in, and and his claim to fame, freight straight off the the bus, is uh, well, he's Kip Sabian's best man. Like what? <laughs> right. He is the best the man. The best, best man. man. Like, yeah, I question that too. So I, and the only thing that I'm kind of halfway hanging on for for that is they they did an interview and they said that the the, the plan for that the best man thing is going to be kind of a Mister Perfect spiel. Okay. And I think if they make that clearer quicker, maybe. But yeah, I, th- I thought it was a little underwhelming too. Yeah. I mean, at the at the point where they've gone two weeks into it now. Um, you're kind of making us lose interest enough to where you can swerve something in there and go, oh, okay. So it's not like we're going to automatically go. Acceptable at that point because you're tired of what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's like you're, but, but that tells that shows me again that they're they're not catering to a wrestling fan. They're catering catering to an internet mark because an internet mark will sign in and watch you languish someone just to see what you do with them because they they're thinking, okay, well they're going to swerve this guy and I'm just waiting for that from them to get it. Well. If you're not doing that and you're not saying, okay, I'm waiting for this swerve, I'm going to not give a shit about that person because I'm a wrestling fan. I'm going to say, well, you guys have killed Miro. Let's wait till he goes to TNT and see if they do something with him. I don't know. but And uh, even the internet fan ain't going to care. They're going to wait for that next headline and they're going to click it. Yeah. And they're going to watch that part and it does yeah. nothing for the rest of the show. Or, yeah. They're, they're or doing a card. Ironically, they're doing it for their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dirtiest way of going about things. That is horrible to make a podcast just to talk about wrestling. That's crazy. It's like even right. even go under the guise of, of having a guest appear on your podcast. It's crazy. Low down. Yeah. Low down. Horrible. It's just unconscionable. But yeah. and you mentioned the internet fans. Um so I like I said before, I had stopped watching for a period of time in the early two thousands and you know, the internet's still a, a I mean, it's been around for a while now, obviously, but, you know, that the whole concept, the, the hive mind 
of the internet wrestling community, you know, wasn't as much of a thing when I had stopped watching, but when I picked it back up, which was when a close friend of mine got signed and I, I kind of started following it because it was neat seeing him on and this that, and the other thing. And, uh, it kind of started following the online bit again. And I was like, yeah, you know, this, this group of people, they, they feel strongly about the same things I do. You know, the, I'm over the Cena thing at the time, even, even picking it back up, I was over Cena quickly. And uh, you know, just some of that, the the things that they say, and and then it's, you're like, yeah, Hey, it's cool to kind of feel like we're have a community, but then you go to a show when you're standing in the merch line or when you're standing at the doors waiting to get in, and the neck beard mouth breathers are all saying the same things they used to say behind their keyboard. And you're like, Oh my God, you're the person I, I identify with. Right. What's wrong with you? Right. So well, go back home to aunt mom and uncle dad and leave it to the real adults. Yeah. For, for, for <laughs> me, it's always, I'll listen to someone. I'm like, this guy's really passionate about what he says. And then he'll say something as me being in the business. No, is just complete and utter bullshit. Or he'll exactly. use one of these terms that are internet terms that they never existed in the business, but the internet made them up. And I'll be like, okay, I don't get it. Like I started watching a documentary once. I love documentaries. They're awesome. So I'm watching a wrestling documentary, which my documentary stuff doesn't consist of many wrestling documentaries. And it's for this reason. Like I'm talking to the rest, watching a wrestling doc, documentary. I'm talking to the documentary. Crazy. I mean, Actually, you do. Yeah, I do talk you to the do. documentary, but <laughs> but the the guy comes in and he goes, "Well, all wrestling rings have a spring in the middle. They're all spring loaded." And I was like, <laughs> "I've been in one that had a spring." And your point, no. your point is, it's soft. And the one that I was in that had a spring was the hardest, most unforgiving ring that I've ever been in in my entire life. It's soft in one spot. It's it, dead center, which yeah. nobody ever lands dead center. Yeah, and if it, <laughs> as soon as I see that, I'm like, okay, and I turn it off because there's no information that the, that's going to be in this uh, documentary that I'm going to even give a shit about because the guy got the most basic of thing wrong. He said, well, they're all spring-loaded. No, they're not. It would look so fucking ridiculous if all of them were spring-loaded without making the spring so stiff that you didn't know it was there. Because you're like, you you don't see people go towards the middle and jump up and down like a fucking (laughs) trampoline. It doesn't happen. It's just crazy. So I'll hear something like that. Somebody will talk about something, and I'll start to enjoy what they say, and then they'll say something stupid, I'm just out of it. I also like hearing the fact that the steel chairs they use are they're not like real steel chairs. Right. Well, they're not. It's they're the, aluminum, but it's still. It's the fake stuff. Yeah, it's like yeah. Or, or my favorite thing was uh well, you guys know how to fall. I'm like yeah, yeah. We do. We do know how to fall, <laughs> and it's usually just fucking fall. <laughs> Spread out to do as le- little great. damage as possible, but it's still going to do damage. You can't fake gravity. It doesn't we, uh, happen. My favorite was the the pre-cut tables. Look at how that table bows when they put them on it. That dude's 350 pounds. Right. That, that table's going yeah, to bow. That table is screaming. That is not pre-cut. There's, not, only, not only that, we use tables sometimes that were never meant to be broken, they, no matter they, what you did to and it. And they didn't. There was one night that we were trying to break a table with Joe, and we ended up breaking we'll Joe. Joe right? We were calling Joe. <laughs> we ended up breaking Joe with the table. Because we were just Actually, slamming him against it, and it was not going. By the way, this is our first guest. I bet knows who Joe is. That's true. <laughs> I do know who Joe is. Yeah, that's true. I know promoter Joe. I know Joe Joe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know the the actual Joe. Yeah. I know. I know all the Joes. <laughs> there, there are going to be some good stories coming up as soon as as soon as one of these days we're lax of figuring out something. But there's there's a road trip trip uh, story. 
that is just hilarious. Uh, and now. It, and it's, it, now, then it was it was bad. <laughs> but we're, we're going to start telling some of those oh, yeah, stories. We've got sniffing stories. We've got all kinds of stuff that, that we're just holding back. Because at first when I did this, I was like, I don't want to piss anybody off. And then I realized, I'm not that dude. I'm going to piss people off. That's the way it is. So I, I'm starting to not care. I've been unfriended already by a couple of people. Yeah. Uh, because he, of this podcast? Well, wait. Yeah. He, got, he got divorced because of this, too. Well, yeah, yeah. I did. Yes. That goes even deeper, bro. Yeah. He got divorced by, for the for I this just podcast. met her yesterday. Did you? Yes. Did you, because did you she heard this. Divorced? Not yet. She heard this, oh. though. I but, met her at the courthouse yesterday. But, but she, she had heard, papers in hand. Yeah, she, she heard Hammer throwing the C word out at her about 1,500 times over this podcast. You heard that last week for you, didn't you, Fury? I did. Yeah. So did she. I think I stopped counting at 1459. And it's funny because I'm being, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't mind her. And he's like, yes, you did. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't mind her. I really didn't. My mom said was the favorite part. What was that? When you said, no, I do want to take a moment to apologize to Nia Jax. Yes. (laughs) My mom rolled over. (laughs) Right. Because there was all that. Jennifer, I. First off, I should not have said you used to be a cunt because well, you're still alive. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, no, I need to apologize um, right. to, to, to Nia Jax, and my mom just lost it. That's funny. <laughs> I like I like the ones where I'm try, I'm not trying to be front, funny and people find it hilarious. That was hilarious. Yeah. It, it was. We got some good stuff coming. Hey, while we're on the subject of stories, do you remember Insane Wayne? I do remember <laughs> Insane Wayne. You do. I do. Uh, um, there, there was a confrontation that I remember that that you were part of the confirm con- uh, the confrontation, and I'm wondering if you remember this confrontation. It had something to do with so, see Insane Wayne, who still works now. I actually saw a um, flyer. Well, let's let's hang on now. Sure, You're, he's he he simulates work. He's there. He's on the show. Okay, he's on the show. I would never say he worked. Okay, so uh, he 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 was on the flyer, and and I was like, oh wow, that's because I was I was walking out. I looked like that guy looks familiar, and I got close, and I was like, is that insane Wayne? And then I looked down, and I saw the top of the Elmo uh, that he's got applique on the front of his singlet. I was like, that's insane Wayne. That is insane. So um, there was a a altercation. You were like. I think you were managing someone. Johnny Law. Okay. You were managing Ah, Johnny Law. (laughs) And you took it upon yourself to be a heel. So do you you remember this at all? So it's it's actually funny because you you referenced it on one of the earlier shows. Yeah. Or or something. And I didn't remember. And that's, that's how little brain power I have attributed to Insane Wayne over the years. I, I forgot. <laughs> and and so I, I'd asked Hammer, I was like, what? And I said, I hate to be that guy, but I, I didn't remember. And and Hammer reminded me, which brought up all those frustrated emotions. And now I do remember. Yeah. Um, Actually, yeah, so, Hammer said to you was, remember he said something about the Tyco Tour Company paid me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what were your thoughts about that night do you remember it all like well this guy i mean did you think it was a work well, well okay l- let me let Why'd me you pick on him do, do you remember the story enough to tell it or do you want me to to tell you my point of view let me let me say what i remember okay. and then i would genuinely be interested in your point of view okay. I, I don't remember much okay because i haven't and... broke out insane wayne in a while <laughs> so I, i'll have to remember so... how to do my insane wayne <laughs> and and here's here's what i remember 
Um, insane way. Now, to be fair, I was uh, 19. Sure. I mean, uh, somewhere around there. I'm yeah, you're, you're a young guy when you came around, yeah? Yeah. yeah I, 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 I first met up with you guys when I was a freshman in college. So okay. call it 19, maybe 20. Maybe 20. And you know, not the uh, emotionally centered individual I am today. So I didn't really <laughs> get a whole lot of people's points of view. It was either about me or it wasn't right. shallow, right? Um, so all I knew is, like you said, I was, I was managing uh, Johnny Law. He was a heel. I was a heel. Insane Wayne comes out. He's got this shtick. And he wasn't a young guy then. I'm actually surprised he's still wrestling. <laughs> Um, I, I mean that to be funny. I just, he, he wasn't, he was, well, like, it didn't matter what you meant it to be funny. It was funny. <laughs> right. right. He, he, he wasn't, he wasn't my age by a fair margin. Or right. mine. Yeah. Or mine. And, and according to you, I'm fucking old. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, girls and cars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if he could talk right now. Oh. <laughs> so, all I remember, and it's actually I, I, kind of funny. I think I actually have a photo of this, which is what made me really remember it. I took the Elmo doll. Yeah. I, I think I punched it or I choked it and, and just genuinely used it for my heel chicanery, right? What, yeah. Totally benign stuff. Yep. And this guy was up after the match. <laughs> this guy. And at first I thought he was kidding. Yeah. You know, you know, I just how could you be? He's got a weird sense of humor. He's a what was he, a 350 pound dude with an Elmo embroidered on his face. Oh, 350? That's no, not, you're no. such a nice guy. He got a pretty unique sense of humor. So yeah. I, I took it and cried. He was getting really hurt about me having, you know, taken his, his Elmo doll and saying how he was licensed, franchise, something, whatever. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, no, you're not. <laughs> 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 Second of all, nobody's seeing it. This is before YouTube Live. Yeah. Uh, and and third of all, oh, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, bro! This was before YouTube. This was a while ago. Uh, and so he just gets real mad. And I remember he went to promoter Joe, and was like, real shit. and. and and that's when I realized he wasn't kidding. And and I remember thinking at the time, gimmick, this dude's insane. Yeah. yeah. And, and here, I, I thought he was just doing like a poor man's Al Snow shtick. That, that was his little buddy, man. Right. And so anyway, I, I remember that. I remember him being real mad about it. I don't remember him being around after that. I don't know if it's just because I ignored him or if he really didn't come back. Well, he was round. Uh, was he, around? Okay, he was round. Know. Yeah. He was very round. He was, he was very spiritual. <laughs> uh, I think, um, what, what was it Jerry Lawler used to say about Yokozuna? He had to have a stepladder to pin him. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Uh, that's so. What I remember. I, I had forgotten all about it because that's how little his opinion meant to me. And Hammer reminded me, and I was like, oh, yeah, screw that guy. So, that's so. What I, Everybody, everybody in the room is, is pantomiming a story that I know well that I'll, that I'll continue with as soon as you're done here. I'm good. Okay. Can so, I say something really quick? Okay, sure. Go ahead. No, Fury. He does not need to add to your story. You did it justice. Yes, you did great. That was great. That was awesome. But this is a different story because you said something about needing a stepladder to, to, to uh, pin him. We, we, one of the first shows that I got a video camera for 
we put the video camera up in the EWF arena, the old EWF arena, the one that wasn't the, the movie theater. I don't even know you if you were there for the old one. Um, right in transition. Yeah. So so we have one of the best indie wrestlers that I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, he, he, he's uh, um, Troy Miller. I hope he listens to this. That'd be awesome if he listened to this. Um, but we're, we're watching back a video of Troy Miller has a match with Promoter Joe in his wrestling persona. And we're watching it, and Promoter Joe gets knocked down on the ground. Troy Miller mounts him and starts giving him punches. And it's at that point that I look over at Hammer, and Hammer is crying laughing. And I'm like, what are you crying laughing for? And he he nudges uh, Bob, uh, Christopher Steele, and now Christopher Steele is crying laughing. I'm like, what is going on? And I look over and I'm like, what are you guys laughing about? And he says, rewind it, rewind it, rewind it. So I rewind it. And he goes, you see how Troy's mounted on top of uh, Promoter Joe there? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, look at his left leg. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And I lifted, look at his left leg. And uh, Troy Miller is about probably 5'10", 5'11", somewhere. Oh, yeah. He's a shorter guy. He's a really good wrestler, but he's a shorter guy. And I look at his left leg, and his left leg is not bent. Now look at his right leg. Now I look at his right leg. His right leg is not bent. Troy Miller is basically standing up on top of Promoter Joe, but still sitting on his belly somehow. And and he's throwing punches. And we are just dying, rolling, laughing. And that's when you said, need a stepladder to pin Yokozuna. That just brought all that back to everybody in the room. And they're up pantomiming the punch. So I figured I'd explain it to all the people who couldn't, couldn't hear it. But uh, what I remember of the insane Wayne thing was, I mean, you nailed it. You nailed it all. I, I got it all. And, and you basically said the speech because he came up and I thought, I thought he was, I thought he was joking. I thought it was a work because I was in the, I was in on um, George and the Animal Steel pulling one of the best ribs that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Promoter Joe had just got new turnbuckles. And and uh, uh, Georgie Animal Steel said, "I don't want to destroy your new turnbuckles." And uh, the promoter Joe was like, "Well, I appreciate that, but people don't you think people want to want to see it?" And he said, "No, let's gimmick it up and have the referee stop it." So uh, Jay went to the referee. Joe. Joe. Promoter Joe. Promoter Joe went to the referee. We're Joe for the first initial J. I, yeah. I track oh, it. Yes, Joe. So, so he goes up to the referee and he tells the referee, when he goes to eat the turnbuckle, stop him. Don't let him eat the turnbuckle. They're brand new and, and don't let him eat the turnbuckle. And he goes, okay. So he does it. And he stops him from eating the turnbuckle. And the crowd is a little upset, right? So, so he meets him in the back. And which, which is just this little dressing room that we created out of nothing. And uh, he go, he goes to the, the referee, comes back out there, and George the Animal Steel just starts, you mother effer, you told me not to eat a turnbuckle. That's what I do. That's my thing. You stop the fans from having what they said, what they wanted. You're an idiot. I don't understand. I'm never going to work with you. Hey, that was a nice match. <laughs> so he, straight to the referee and the ref, I watched the referee's face turn like eight shades of pale because of this, this WWF legend is dressing him down and like, he's going to kill him. And it stops him. And said, that was a really good match. Thank you. And I was like, we all just laughed and run away. And then I started talking to that referee and he's like, I thought I was dead. I thought he was going to kill me. <laughs> Fucking funny. What's that? 
Uh, it was George Animal Steel and CJ Washington was the referee. Uh, CJ, yeah, I love that guy. Game. I never heard that story before. Yeah, the the he, he was a well. I think CJ was always was bald, Chris wasn't he? Corbin or what's the Smashing Pumpkin guy? That's that's who uh, he looked like. Bill, yeah, Billy, Billy Corbin. Billy Corbin. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if he's still doing it, but he was uh, he was covering the Cubs for um, local affiliate of something. I don't know, he was doing really well last I talked to him. It's been a minute though. No, oh, cool. He never, he never told me that story before. That's awesome. Yeah, that was that was really good. The, the one he got me on, he got me on. Uh, George Amos Steele got me on too. The first one is, and I saw him get this on other people, and it's great. He had a dislocated pinky, so he could hold his hand out, and he could ninety degree his pinky down towards the ground. So he'd go up and shake other people's hands, and when they'd go to shake hands, he'd go ah, and he'd hold his hand like that and be like, "Oh my god!" And show them, and they'd be like, "Oh my god!" So he, he did that, and then he tried to sell me Amway, which there's no joke to that. He legitimately had an Amway book and was trying to sell me Amway. He, he brought me in. He goes, "Hey brother, they t- they tell me that you've got a pretty good job and everything, and uh, I just wanted to show you some stuff." And I was like, "Okay." So George and the Animal Steel tried to sell me on Amway. That was Fantastic. fun. He's like VP or some marketing or something. I don't know. He, yeah. But he, he was he's hardcore. Not, he's not a teacher no more. It was a hardcore push. Well, he's he's dead now, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely oh, not a teacher now. I didn't know he died, to okay. be honest. I didn't. Cool. So yeah. Jason probably had him booked. Jay, <laughs> Promoter Joe. Promoter Joe Promoter probably had him booked. Joe had him booked. Yeah, like last week. I don't know. Oh, wow. So talking about talking about stuff being gimmicked and this, that, and the other thing, the, 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 the one thing that is <laughs> – is deliberately gimmicked in wrestling that I can think of off the top of my head is the guitars for the guitar shots. Yes. Do you guys remember when we had Honky and came in with cheese and they didn't gimmick the guitar? Right. Who who got hit with that? Cheese. Cheese. Cheese got hit with that. Knocked him unconscious, yeah, right? Legit knocked him out cold. Yep. Hey, does it make it up that I knocked Honky out cold with my weed just a little bit later? <laughs> <laughs> that's facts. Yeah. Honky was like, Honky was like, where, where's the drip? Where the Actually, at? I love this. is my favorite story. Honky straight up said, Who wants to smoke a joint with the honky tonk man? <laughs> and I'm like, Well, fucking Hammer does. <laughs> so we did. That's awesome. <laughs> Great times. But no, the, the uh, insane Wayne thing, I, I heard it. I heard it happening. Thought it was a joke. Thought that he was still trying to get over. And then I started thinking, why would he do that in front of all the boys and no fans around? And then the look on his face, I was like, he's serious. He really says that he paid, I paid $5,000 for Taco Toy Company for me to be able to use this doll on the front of my singlet. And there's a clause in that contract that you can't do anything nasty with it. And you're down there treating it like you're having sex with it. And I didn't even think he did that. No, I thought he was choking it. Was it choking? He was yeah. just choking it, yeah. But, uh, like, like Looney Tunes style. Yeah. Well, you mounted it, basically. Like what we're talking about, but wrestling style. Yeah. And that's what you were doing. You weren't doing yeah. it sexual. You were doing a Greco-Roman neck choke. That's what it was. It was, it was. I, mean, I, don't rem- I specifically don't remember that part, but that's yeah. if oh, I, I did do, it, just that effect, all, that's what it would have been. I do. I think you actually kicked it at one point, too. You, like, drop kicked it out or something ring, like that. Out of the yeah. ring. And here, here is probably about as much space as I will give him. Okay. He probably paid somebody five thousand dollars because he's an idiot. Well, yeah. he should have not and did something with that outfit because it was well, frayed and didn't look like Taiko gave him anything for it, and they should have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's. I hope he's still having fun, and I, I hope he's 
feeling better mentally. Semi sane Wayne, maybe I don't. Yeah, know. He, he could be uh, once sane, once insane Wayne. Like, got the help dot com or whatever they're trying to push on all the podcasts now. The the uh, call help call for help thing. Maybe he's, he, he's maybe now he's just eccentric Wayne. Yes. He's living his life to the fullest. <laughs> okay. Uh, full, fullest being the optimal thing. Uh, <laughs> He's still full. You're happy then. Do you remember the night where you reached in and produced a sock <laughs> from the Speedo of the gentleman you're wrestling? Do you remember that night? I remember that night vividly. Yes. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that night yes and and let me give it a little bit of context yes yes because so, i'm horrible with that so so basically um like you'd mentioned on uh last week's show the actual act of wrestling was not my forte <laughs> yes um you know, I, I came in i came into the ewf and trained under the ewf and you know um Chris Bob Steele, um, you know, he he taught me initially, but but not a lot, and and it, which isn't a knock at him. It's just we just didn't have that kind of time together, and um, so it ended up becoming um, Chris Geyer, right, Cody, and uh, Drago, Aaron Hill, um, who who actually trained me, and also the the person with I had the match with the sock, which was Brian Paradise, yes. who at the time kind of had the same reputation, right, and. Um, so he and I, you know, we, we really started to improve together, progress together, became real good friends. And, you know, we kind of had this program going on within the EWF. And so I had just had a, a one-off comment in a promo leading up to this match, which was, a, I think it was a ladder match. And I had, it was, it was sort of like summoning the, the inner Joel Gertner kind of thing. And I said, Ryan, I've got a sock in front of my, and I just kind of stopped and let the rhyme. Yep. Itself, right and so it became it became a running joke for a couple of weeks leading up to this this ladder match that you know he stuffed his tights that he did not like at all <laughs> okay, so here's the thing yeah. going back to what i said before at that age i really didn't pay much attention to what was going outside of my own head and sure. so i didn't know that. i didn't know that he was really upset by that comment and to this day promoter joe will tell you this was not his idea right and i love Joe, I would not have had nearly the enjoyable life experiences that I had had it not been for that man. And this is not a knock on promoter Joe, but right. this was his idea. The the end of the, um, the the ladder match saw me handcuffing Ryan Paradise to a turnbuckle to otherwise climb the ladder, claim the BMF title. At the time I was working babyface, yeah. much to the fans' delight. Right? What <laughs> nobody else did know is I had hidden a sock. I can't remember if it was in the turnbuckle pad, maybe under the ring apron, but I legitimately hid this thing. And after the match, as he is handcuffed to the ring post, I discreetly recover this sock, pantomime like I'm pulling it out of his tights, swing it around, ha, 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 he totally stuffed his tights. Yeah. Well, at that point in time, wouldn't you know it, the uh, the handcuffs stopped handcuffing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he gets loose, and he he shoot tackles me. Yeah, I, I you know, and he he wasn't he wasn't trying to you know throttle me, or he totally could have. Right. Um, but you know, I I kind of locked him up in the guard. I'm like, what are you doing? This isn't. I thought it was funny. You yeah. know, I thought he would think it was funny. Right. Because um, I didn't. Again, I didn't know that he genuinely didn't like that. Yeah. 
so I, I just kind of tied him up and he was like kind of effing me and jeffing me under his breath. And, and I can't remember, did, did you guys come out? Somebody must've pulled him off. I yes. Don't yes. Uh, we, we came out and, and broke that up. Yes. Yeah. And so, and then brought him back to the back and I, I, you know, went back a little bit later and, and he was mad, dude. Like he was, I think he threw like a mop bucket or something. Yeah. Yeah, he was um, he was not having it. He was not. No, happy. He, like, he, he left the really, building and, and, and here's, here's actually, What's that? He left the building at night in his tights. Yeah, he, he didn't did. even bother hanging out. Yeah, and and so of course promoter Joe told him he had no knowledge of it, and I'm just sitting there genuinely clueless and thinking, but promoter Joe said it'd be funny because let's be honest, promoter Joe's got a good sense of humor. He does, and yeah. and so. It is what it is, and the, the really the tragedy of that story is, you know, he and I really kind of stopped being friends that night, and I hate that. Yeah. Um, because we were uh, good friends, and so I, I hate that. It, it is what it is, you know. But it's funny. I have a lot of stories about friends that I've gained, uh, but this is the first one that I've heard of friends that were lost, and, and that's that's unfortunate. If you if you guys were close like that, that, that it happened that way. But I will say that. Um, and, and this is me saying it, not you saying it. I'd say it was worth it. <laughs> I think I think that was worth it. That was that was that was good for us. We we saw what was going on in the ring, and we we're like, uh, we're going to have to go handle this. So we went yeah. out, and, and it like going out into the ring and getting Ryan Paradise <laughs> out of there isn't. I mean, we had a protocol. Somebody puts on their tights, goes out there, gets them out of the ring. That's just the way it goes. Because he always would come back to the ring, battle royals and stuff like that. So we knew. We know what to do. We went out. And to his, to his credit, when we came out there, he was like, like rolled over, let us do the beat on him thing, separated, and everything was good. But that was good stuff. Uh, second only to the dusty dildo thing. But, yeah, that was that was really good. I'd like to think that if I was in the same room as him today, we could still be buddies and laugh and, and, and maybe even laugh about that. And he'd probably still flip me off or something to that effect. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely one of those, uh, and I'm tough sure things that me became a very significant friends after that, which was weird, but so, like, yeah. I like how hammer, uh, as he gets used to the swelling and everything in his face, it started to become like a Southern, uh, distinguished gentleman, and we could get done really well and everything and be all right like that, and everything's good. So, I'm it, my spots, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that the, the that the dental work had improved his honky tonk. Yeah, uh, honky tonk, <laughs> <man. laughs> that's awesome. I can hear it myself. That was one of the most embittered, angry men I think I have ever met. Was the Brutus Beefcake was pretty pretty much there too. I don't think I was in the locker room with him. I was there, uh, but I don't think. I, yeah, he was. Yeah, he, I was disgruntled to be going for him. Yep. He just wasn't his best friend, and he didn't like that. Yep. <laughs> That's really what Brutus is. Yeah, it was. A, it was a. You, you have to talk was, to the mic. Sorry, it was a pretty interesting night, uh, Brutus Beef, Beefcake. I think we have to do more stories. I think so on too. This. I, I think I need this. to refine them a little bit for it. Today for this because it's been my favorite one so far. Yeah, yeah, I haven't enjoyed it. Yeah, it's really cool. I can tell you, it's not much of a story, but uh, I have a memento that reminds me of both of you regularly. Okay. All right. Now, uh, getting older, every time a very certain part of my back hurts, I remember a certain power bomb that I was talked into taking. Okay. The second time, I'll go through a crutch, two steel chairs, and a table. Oh, hey, there's a good story that goes along with that one, too. 
Because I that's that. that's what we were setting up the day that Whitmore said stop crying, and I chased him around the building. Because we were trying to figure out what we were going to put Whitmore through, and it's it was an offshot oh, of that. Got it instead. Yeah, because oh. Whit, uh, Whitmore wouldn't take it, so we decided to do uh, we decided to just do it with Fury. But the reason that he decided, the reason that you took it is because we were showing this up to Whitmore. We're, we're, I'm putting that together, this elaborate thing, right? And I'm like, okay, this is going to break your fall, and it's going to be okay. Well, uh, you know, I didn't know shit. So there we go. That's probably why your back hurts all the time. Um, <laughs> so, Sorry, bro. So the referee, who we have been warring with and bumping on a regular – and it was kind of the thing that we were doing. It was an ongoing thing. We were putting it up, and I was telling him all this stuff, and we can do this, and we can do that, and we can do that. And then he was saying, he said something to me, like, uh, I don't even remember what he said originally. And I was like, if you don't want to do it, we'll figure something else out. But if you don't want to do it, let me know, and we'll bump you another way, and we'll figure something else out. And then he... He said, that's not what I'm saying. Stop crying. He said, that's not what I'm saying. Stop crying. And I was <laughs> like, mother... F-. And I get up in the ring, and he runs to the corner, and I just want to grab this kid, right? And then uh, Christopher Steele steps in front of me and goes, dude, 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 dude. And I just looked at him and went, move. And he went, okay. And he moved. <laughs> so I, I chased this dude out of our building out into the parking lot, not chasing him as in running after him. I'm walking at him, and he stopped, and he's trying to to say, "Hey, I didn't mean that. Hold on." So he would talk me out of it, and I'd be, I would slow down, like, "Okay, that's okay. I understand where you're coming from." He'll like, but then you're doing all this bullshit, and mother's like, "Motherfucker!" And I would chase him around again. So we ended up going out, like you remember Rangery Plaza. It was a big place. Mm-hmm. So we go out the doors, down the hall out the back door to the outside. He hangs a right. I hang a right. We go around the building, all the way around the building, all the way back to the, to the place that we just left from. He gets in his car and drives off while I'm like, you son of a, I never did get a hold of him. I didn't, I didn't, I probably wouldn't have heard him probably, but then he comes back and it's just the, the sight that he was, was just pathetic. I mean, he had snot bubbles coming out of his nose. He was wearing big rimmed glasses like an old uh, movie star. Yeah, he was just like, he just got off a Coke binge, and he didn't want anybody (laughs) to see his eyes. And you could see the tear marks going down his face. And when he's talking, he's (laughs) bringing, and he's talking to Jason, like thinking that he's done. He's not going to be able to do anything anymore. And I just walk up beside him, put my arm on him. It's like, you doing okay? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, I just walk off. <laughs> but yeah, I chased that dude all the way around that building just because he was, let me, he pissed me off. I mean, and I used to have that temper of, don't piss me off, I'll come get you. And the whole time that this is happening, I'm walking by them saying, everybody just shut up. Leave him alone. Just don't, leave him alone. Stop don't, it. Don't talk to him. Uh, if that's when just, Chris can't come going right into Bill's face saying, dude, just calm down, bro. Yeah. yeah. Calm down. Which has to be, you know, that's the best thing to say to somebody who's not calm. <laughs> yeah, for me. It always works. For me, yeah. people Why didn't I think of that? Uh, right. It's like, calm down. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I didn't think. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yeah. Where you been? And for me, it's like uh, people have said, you know, count to 10. I'm like, well, that's not a count. That's, that's a countdown. 
that when I get to one, it's not going to be any right, much like, better. Right, like if the last number is time to go. Yeah, so I'll count to, I'll count <laughs> to right. ten, and that's so people can run away. That's let's give, let's give them a fast break. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's. This has that's been a, a lot of fun, though, Fury. It really has. Yep. I wish I could have contributed more, but fuck. Yeah, and we've got many, many stories to tell, and you're welcome. Come back anytime you want to. That I mean, I really enjoyed this, and uh, you have a very valid opinion of what's going on and as a fan which is what this podcast is for is for fans um i really appreciate uh, the candidness and you even changed my mind a little bit about something i can't remember what it was but i'm sure i'll think about it later or when i'm editing this i'll hear it. it's like oh yeah he brought that up that was pretty good uh I, guys this has been a lot of fun i could go for another hour and a half yeah. um if you ever want me on again just give me the word i'll, I'll be on absolutely okay. For sure. But yeah, anytime, man. This has been a lot of fun. It has. It has. Cool. That was awesome. Uh, our guest today was Eric Collinsworth. Check out his books. Uh, we'll, we'll put a link up to uh, his books on our website so you can get on there and check those out. Uh, I, I can personally, I haven't I haven't seen these books, but I will immediately because I, I know this person is a very good storyteller, very, very gifted when it comes to using the English language. So it should be pretty good. So I'm definitely going to check those out, and uh, you should as well. So uh, thanks, again, thanks again, Eric. This, is, this has been great. Uh, I've loved catching up with you, listening to some of the stories, kind of remind, remind us of the old days. It also gets me to think that we need to tell more of those stories. Fun. I agree. We need it. We need to get that set up. So that sounds good. Uh, oh, dude, I, uh, we didn't even start on the story where – was it Hammer or Chris lit Hank's pants on fire? That was, that was Hammer. <laughs> was you. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's your hook for next week. We got plenty, bro. We yeah, got plenty, and you're always welcome. Yep. All right, man. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and end, end it right there. We're good to go, and uh, this has been another episode of the Monkey Flip Podcast. If you have any questions for the show, you maybe want to get uh, get some answers, or if you have any comments or anything, go ahead and send that email to questions at monkey-flip.com and uh, any comments or anything would be welcome to handle there. If you if you have any other uh, inclination to talk to us about anything, go ahead and send an email off to producer at monkey-flip.com and uh, we'll be happy to get you helped out and uh, or even use you. I mean, we can't write this show. We don't plan anything. We just get together and say, hey, uh, you got anything to talk about? No? All right, let's do this. So... <laughs> good to go uh we really appreciate everybody who does listen on a regular basis i know there are a lot of you out there that's pretty cool and uh we'd like to hear from you so give us a shout out if you want to if you don't want to that's cool too eh, doesn't matter all right so uh this has been another episode of the monkey flip podcast and thank you we're out